Hello, my friend, and welcome to the Mark Stuchowski Podcast, the show that's all about helping you perform at an optimum level. I am Mr. Productivity, and it is my obsession in life to teach you how to be a more productive you. And one of the ways I do that is by inviting you to a webinar I'm having this Saturday, June 27th at noon Eastern. It's all about how to deal with distractions. Now, if you'd like to attend, all you have to do is click the link in the show notes or click the banner at the top of mrproductivity.com. How to deal distractions this Saturday, June 27th, noon Eastern. I hope to see you there. On the show today, Charlie Wyman, we are going to be talking about LinkedIn. More specifically, how can you use LinkedIn efficiently, correctly, in order to get leads which turn into money? because they turn into clients. Charlie Wyman's going to talk to you about it, so let's get to it. Charlie, welcome to the show. Hello, I'm pleased to be here. Now, you don't sound like you're from Texas. <laughs> I'm not from Texas, no. <laughs> yes, you're from England. I am indeed. So how was the weather over there in England? It was pouring rain here on June 24th here in Houston. Listener, you're listening to this on June 25th. And I normally like running at 6 o'clock in the morning because I'm a member of the 5 a.m. club. And it was pouring cats, dogs, giraffes, hippopotamuses, and rhinoceroses at uh, 6 a.m. So I had to delay my run for two hours. So how's the weather in England? Uh, you know what? We are like us Brits. We love to talk about the weather and it is so beautiful outside. This week it's hot, it's sunny. And then at the weekend, we're due to have thunderstorms and rain. So very exciting. Oh, yes. Well, you know, weather is interesting because you can talk about weather with anybody. How's the weather? It's, it seems like a uh, when you don't know someone, if you're at a party. Remember when we used to go to parties? Remember way back in the day, we used to go to the parties? That, that time where we could see people? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Hey, uh, what do you think about the weather? And it's like, okay, who cares? I'm at, the, I'm at this party with you. So very interesting. Well, but we're going to talk a lot about LinkedIn today. But before we do, why don't you take about 20 seconds or so, tell us who you are and what you do. So my name is Charlie Wyman. And what I do, well, I work with people that find marketing frustrating, overwhelming, or they're not really sure what to do. And I specialize in B2B marketing and also using LinkedIn as a tool. So my background is not just in marketing either. It's marketing sales and leadership, uh, mainly for sort of technical engineering companies. But I've worked with a lot of um, a, a very wide variety of types of companies, um, but also across the the board because I believe that marketing doesn't end when you get the lead. It kind of runs throughout the whole company. So I, I look at marketing very much as a as a key and essential part of any business. Absolutely. And I remember I grew up in I was born in nineteen sixty five and I remember the it wasn't called marketing. It was called advertising back in the seventies and eighties. And it was loud. It was obnoxious. It was like you're stupid. We're the company. We know better. Now even though you can spend advertising dollars on the social media platforms, now the little guy like me, I'm a solopreneur. I don't know about you, but we have we have just as much ability to get into the ears and the eyes of uh, any prospect prospect than a big company does, which is nice. Back in the day, you had to have a huge advertising budget. You had to hire like a media form and all this other stuff. So I think the playing field's a little leveler, but you still got to be smart about your marketing. A hundred percent. I think as well, because I grew up around small business. So my dad had a uh, Ford 
car dealership. So he used to sell new and used Fords, he used to have a garage and service station. And it was all very much driven around relationships. So from a very early age, we were doing car launches, local events, um, newspaper ads and things, but it was it was all around forming that relationship. And then uh, throughout my career, I'd never studied marketing either. So I think that kind of gives me an extra edge because I resisted calling myself a marketer for so many years. Because uh, I always used to think it was like a kind of sleazy term. I was like, oh, marketing's <laughs> the devil. Like I was allergic to marketing. It was horrible. Um, but yeah, I, I studied engineering. And then because I'm really interested in the way that humans behave and what causes change in people, um, I started looking more and more into that. Somebody offered me a marketing job, which was it was kind of the turning point for me. So, yeah. <laughs> so what do you think are some of the biggest mistakes people make? Whether they are a one-man operation like me, maybe they have five or six employees, and they want to market their business to the world. What are some of the mistakes that they make that are causing them maybe a delay in being successful business owners? Well, you said the right thing. You said the world. So that was one of the, that's one of the biggest mistakes is that targeting a much too, a, a too broader audience. So it, could mean broad in terms of uh, geography, so trying to target the world rather than focusing on a specific um, like region or nation. You know, you can target the world, but you need a bigger marketing budget or you need a lot more time. Um, and also that you're just trying to be too much to too many people. So you just end up contributing to the noise instead of standing out for, for what you actually do. And when you are a small business, you have a limited budget and you also have a limited amount of time because mm-hmm. more often than not, it is the solopreneur or the business owner that's responsible for the marketing. Or you get to a point where you employ somebody as a marketing exec, but that person is also responsible for lots of other things within the business. So mm-hmm. it's that you've got to be very resourceful. Um, you've got to leverage the hell out of what you can and the assets that you have. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, just be really adaptable, but clever with how you use what you're doing and the more specific you can be about who you're targeting and the more clear you can be about who you're targeting that's where you can use those resources a lot more effectively i think everyone gets caught up in that because we're like like i'm a productivity expert i'm like who wouldn't want to be productive and i've I've gone through numerous exercises and and i'm like well okay people are addicted to social media or Fortnite, maybe not but no no, you get the there's riches and niches i've been hearing that for years now there's riches and niches and it's better to say i'm a productivity expert to on entrepreneurs and you know small business owners then productivity expert to everyone while I can help everyone and I can't stop someone who maybe have a is a CEO of a major company I, I'm not gonna say well I can't help you because you're not a, a small business owner but still people are thinking too broad because we think if we look at the world and I can help everyone in my case I can help everyone who speaks English well it's a lot of people but last time I checked there's like 440 million people maybe more uh, that speak English in the world. I can't handle 440 million customers. And so we like to think a broader audience means more money and more clients. But I read a lot of books, I'm sure you have, that the more choices you give people, they they get overwhelmed and they don't make any choice at all. So you're better off saying, I'm the guy or gal who does dot, dot, dot. And now people say, wow, you're the only person I know that does that. Now you've really niched yourself down. But it is a scary thing when you first start your business to not go broad, but to go narrow. 
Well, I think I, I did that in slightly opposite way. So I did go quite narrow. Well, in terms of the LinkedIn specialism. So I said, right, okay, I'm a LinkedIn specialist and I, I follow on that. But even in the LinkedIn world, you've still got, you know, people need LinkedIn if they're looking for jobs. Mm-hmm. That's, you know, something I can help people with, but I choose not to because it's not my area of expertise. You know, you've got LinkedIn for corporates and companies focusing on the company page. You've got LinkedIn advertising. You've got LinkedIn marketing. You've got social selling. You know, there's so many different areas of it, but LinkedIn's just a tool at the end of the day. And it really isn't that difficult to figure out. And I think I know that I'm sort of, I'm saying all of this and everybody's like, oh, no, you can't say this. But it it really is. It's not that difficult to figure out where people go wrong on LinkedIn is that they are not clear on the messaging. They're not clear on who their target market is. And they're unsure about how to create content that engages. They're not sure who to connect with. And pretty much they don't have a plan. And all of the clients I've worked with have come to me specifically about LinkedIn it's all about actually coming up with a marketing plan, an integrated marketing plan that works for them because every single, you know, as you know, solopreneur, entrepreneur, small business owner, we all have different priorities. Some people like to create video content, other people audio content, other people like to write. Some people do things with um, images and video content, uh, images and photographs. You know, there is a place in the world and in a place, there is a place for you in your market. You've mm-hmm. just got to understand what you enjoy doing and play in that space. Yes, I'm glad you brought up LinkedIn because we're going to talk a lot about LinkedIn today because, first of all, LinkedIn is not Facebook. It's not Instagram. Uh, we don't want to see pictures of your Christmas party. It, it really doesn't – LinkedIn is a, a place where you can uh, help people. And and when I first got on LinkedIn, I made, the, I think, the mistake everyone made. It's just like, okay, it's my online resume. Now, uh-huh. it's not an online resume, even if you're looking for a job. So what I do in the productivity space, I've learned last couple months, I've learned um, the secret of company pages. If you don't have a page, you need to get a page because apparently at this time, and we're talking in June, uh, you're listening to this on June 25th, um, LinkedIn decided, you know what? We're going to give a lot of love to pages. And so you can have your profile, but if you have a page, you get all kinds of analytics and all kinds of goodies with a page. So apparently this is the flavor of the month. We talked about this before we started recording that LinkedIn's kind of a chaotic mess right now. But so I have my profile, Mark Stuchowski. Then I have Mr. Productivity, my company page. Then I have a page for the Mark Stuchowski podcast. Now, why do I do that? Because I post three times a day on my profile, three times a day on my Mr. Product Productivity page, and one time a day on my podcast. And some people on LinkedIn, I'd love to know your thoughts on this, have said that's too much. I heard Gary Vaynerchuk get asked that question about a month ago because he says you should be po- posting across the social media platforms 100 times a day. Now, he doesn't mean 100 pieces of content. He means if you give 25 comments, that counts as 25 pieces of content, not just a thumbs up emoji, not just great posts. I mean, you actually leave a, a comment because he said there's so much noise because you said the word noise earlier. And if you're posting one like once every three days, people are probably not seeing your post unless you're an influencer. And I found out that when I went from posting once every other day to once a day to three times a day, my reach is the same. People who want to see my content are going to engage in it. The people who don't aren't. So what say you? It's a really good point. And I think like Gary V kind of came on the scene with LinkedIn. I mean, he's always been on LinkedIn, but he came on the scene and actually took it seriously at some point last year. And he's like, oh, everybody needs to be on LinkedIn. So everybody went onto LinkedIn and like, oh, it's the next, ne- it's the next best thing since sliced bread. And that and TikTok. <laughs> 
Oh, yeah, let's not get talking about it. <laughs> yeah, I think, it, again, it, it's what falls into everybody's reality and what you find fun. Like, for me, TikTok is not my idea of fun. Yes. Um, so I'm not going to play there. However, you can learn with the way that people are adapting. LinkedIn is a tool. If you, like, they're slowly rolling out stories at the moment. They're a bit... I love LinkedIn's pieces, but they are a little bit slow in terms of rolling out new features. They are learning from what works from these other platforms. So stories, they work really well on LinkedIn, on Instagram and Facebook. LinkedIn are starting to roll that out on their platform. Live video works really, really well on Facebook. They're starting to roll that out on LinkedIn. You know, native video, it, all of these things have all come from the success of happening on other platforms. I personally don't agree with the Gary Vee approach of posting 100 times a day. And for the reason that it is so difficult to publish that much content and still stay relevant and interesting Mm -hmm. and actually stand up against a crowd. As business owners, I don't know about you, I've got better things to do with my time. (laughs) You know, there there are so many other things that are pulling at me. And I also don't have the budget to be creating, you know, all of that unique type of content. But he does raise a good point in that commenting on other people's posts and actually engaging with them in a meaningful way is really, really valuable. But if you want it to be valuable, that does take time. So realistically, you're not going to be doing that 100 times a day. Right. Yes, if you have all the time in the world. But again, that all comes back down to it. Gary Vee's audience is global. It's it's huge. So if you're targeting a massive audience, then yes, you do need to be everywhere all of the time and and in, in everybody's faces. But if you can really specialize and really focus in on your niche not niche. I'm not going to say niche. I'm sorry. I can't do it. <laughs> and, uh, you know, the more, the more you can focus on your niche, um, the more you will be heard. It's just when you start to add to that noise that you're just going to drone in and then you're going to be fighting because you're constantly yes. trying to play front of mind. My engagement over the last few months since COVID, I have a 10 month old at home. Both me and my partner have our own separate businesses. So we have no childcare and we're just trying to, trying to make it work. So I've not been posting as often as I was before. My engagement has dropped off a cliff because I refuse to play into the kind of like, woe is me, let's moan and, and complain yeah. all the time, which I think the, the content, especially on my feed, has changed a lot recently. So I'm not posting as frequently. My engagement isn't as high, but you know what? I'm actually getting so many more inquiries from my target market than I have done at any one other point. Nice. So from the outside looking in, I'm not doing as well. And a few people have said, oh, what are you doing talking, teaching about LinkedIn? You're not an influencer. You're not doing this. I don't aspire to be an, a LinkedIn influencer. I aspire to be able to help the people that I really want to help and add value and not try to pretend that the only way to the riches is to just be everywhere all at once because it's not realistic. Yes. And you don't have to be everywhere. Right now, my number one platform is LinkedIn. I'm trying to get... Instagram working. It's so saturated as is Facebook, as is um, Twitter. And so I've kind of pulled back. The only time I post on Twitter nowadays, I think is when I like this episode, when it comes out, I'll put, I'll put it on Twitter, but that's it. My, my base is on LinkedIn. And I will tell you that how, here's my philosophy of posting. I do post, like I said, seven times a day on LinkedIn three times on my profile, three times on Mr. Productivity page, and one time on my podcast page. But if I don't have something to say, I don't just make up something to say. So if I sit down and go, okay, I want to post something on LinkedIn. Nothing's coming. I don't post. Okay. So I don't post or create a poll or post a video just for the sake of having content out there. So if for me, it's got to be, do I have something to offer? Now, most days, because I've been doing this for 
roughly 10 years. I've got a lot of content to, to put out there. and But I always want to lead with value. I think it's really important that you always have to lead with value. If I see a lot of people making a mistake where it's like, buy my stuff, buy my stuff, buy my stuff. And they go, well, my engagement's not there. Well, yeah, because all you're doing is saying, give me money, give me money, give me money. People don't want to deal with the, that. They want to, if you can help people, then you draw them in. And so, although I do post seven times a day and I do, I think I leave 25 to 50 comments a day, my main focus is on LinkedIn. And when I leave a comment, Charlie, I mean, I'm leaving detailed comments, not like great post or thumbs up emoji. I'm like taking the time. If I'm going to leave a comment, I want to add value to the post already. I don't want to just say, great post. Hey, why don't you follow me? Because that's not going to serve anybody. And so I think the thing I see people doing wrong on LinkedIn is they're, how am I going to say this? It's like they're desperate to make money. And you can hear that coming from the words or the video or the post they're putting on there. The their verbiage is like, hey, I'm really desperate for money. So please send me money instead of saying here, here's three tips to make you better X, Y, and Z. Yeah, there's nothing that puts you off more than having somebody that's that's desperate. I think there's a difference between asking for help and being desperate. If yes. you ask for help, people are much more likely to help you, offer you some advice. I mean, when um, the whole COVID situation first came about, I had so many direct um, sales pitches to me on LinkedIn, but the language that was being used, I mean... The thing is, I'm, I'm a very much a glass half full sort of person. I give people the benefit of the doubt. And I'm pretty sure that these people were unintentionally telling me that my website was rubbish and that I needed to completely overhaul it because everything was wrong. And I, I actually got back to a few of these people and just sort of said, well, my, my website works really well for me. I get loads of leads from it. I get loads of great feedback from it. Um, the leads I get are relevant why does it need overhauling? <laughs> and they're like, oh, sorry, it was just an automated message or I'm working with somebody else or I'm using oh. a bot or, or whatever. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, you know, first of all, if if they came to me and they just sort of said, you know, hi, I don't know if you're struggling in the same way, but I'm a web developer. I do this differently. Mm-hmm. Um, if you or you know anybody else that's looking for a new website, um, could you introduce me or are you open for a conversation? That's very, very different yes. because it's coming to me as a human being and it's talking to me as an individual rather than I know that your message has been automated is a copy and paste job or is a bot. Yes. So I'm just going to hit delete or I'm just going to ignore it. And I think a lot of these companies that there's a lot of individuals that see LinkedIn as a huge opportunity, especially in the B2B world, but they're like, I'm too busy to do that direct outreach myself, or I'm too busy to do, to look at people's profiles before I send them a message. I'm too busy. I'm too busy. I'm too busy. So my response to that is to work with somebody like yourself and find out ways that you can be more productive with the things that are making you too busy to free up your time to do the important things because that's business development. And that's if you want to grow your business, you need to do business development. You can't just expect people to come to you, especially if you're not marketing effectively. Yep. So, And then bots. There's so many people using bots. There yes. are so many companies misleading you, telling you bots are the answer. They're against LinkedIn's terms of use. LinkedIn are actively shutting down accounts that use automation. Yes. So, you know, if you're happy to risk your entire network and your entire account, which should be a hugely valuable asset to you, then yeah, crack on. But you actually, for every lead you get or for every sales conversation, just think of how many people you're leaving a bad impression with because they're yes. like, you don't care about me. You're just sending me an automated thoughtless message. Yes. I call them the Ernest Hemingway DMs. So as soon as you connect, you get this long DM. It's like, 
I'm not reading that. Okay. I am not reading that all those links and all that. Cause you just pitched me. Now what I do, cause I think another mistake people make when they connect with someone, they don't do anything. They just like, they connect and that's it. And what I do is I have this, um, this note on my Mac and I copy and paste it into DM. It basically says, Hey, Charlie, great connecting. Hope you're doing well today. Hey, by, by the way, I've got this company page called Mr. Productivity. I give you lots of value, productivity tips. Here's the link. That seems to work out really well because A, it's not taking them off the LinkedIn pro- platform and B, I'm offering value. So I'm not saying attend my webinar, send it from an email newsletter. I'm keeping it within the LinkedIn uh, platform and people seem to enjoy it. They go right over there. They, they, they follow my page. They start engaging. Because I'm giving value. But when you send someone a pitch right off the bat to attend your webinar, buy your course, whatever, we just met. We literally just connected like seconds ago and you're already hammering me with this long message. And I, I, I can't imagine that's effective for anybody who's doing it. It depends on your market. It depends on who who you're targeting. I think, you know, I used to work in very traditional industries, used to work in the mining industry, shipping industry, surveying industry. And some people within those industries, depending on like what job that they held or who they were, um, they weren't interested in just having a conversation. They just wanted you to kind of get to the point, which is fine. No problem with that. And I would say that if you're targeting certain people, you want to invite them to a webinar, that, that's no problem either. But if you, a lot of people use language based on assumption, you know, they send you a message inviting you to their webinar without actually having a look at your profile or without actually acknowledging that they have a problem that you can solve. Yes. Whereas if you can just reframe that language and start saying, ah, oh, you know, a lot of people are coming to me to say that they're having this, this, and this problem, or even just one big problem. I'm running a webinar to address this. If you're interested or know anybody that that's would a be, good idea, here's a link. That's you a know, really but, good idea. Because you can cut to the chase, you can get to the point quickly, especially if you're targeting busy individuals. This is really a really good point. And I think, I'm not sure if it's just me being really old fashioned and a bit grumpy, but there seems (laughs) to be this like weird culture on LinkedIn, especially around influencers and especially about people that target entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, uh, consultants and the like, is that everybody seems to assume, assume that we've all got more time on our hands to just comment and engage constantly. And I'm like, you know, I I don't have that time. Being an influencer is exhausting. Like part of me looks a lot of influencers out there and just thinks, right, okay, cool. Well, how do you actually make your money? Or what what is it that you actually do? Because if you're spending all of this time on LinkedIn, commenting and engaging with people, how much time are you actually spending serving clients? Yes. Because that, that takes, it takes so much time. It does. And when I, like, I actually schedule time for social media, which is basically LinkedIn. And if it's not time to be on LinkedIn, I'm not on LinkedIn. So all the things you see me do, all the posting, all the commenting, it's, it's scheduled in my day on purpose. I schedule like 50 minute. My, my days are scheduled except for podcasts and coaching clients in 50 minute increments. Okay. So if it's not scheduled, I'm not doing it. So I'm not checking my phone late at night and stuff like that. Although you did last night, we connected. I'm like, you still awake? It's like after midnight. Then you told me you had a youngin. So I completely get that. One of the posts I see that is really taken over LinkedIn that I've I'd like to know your thoughts on, because I find it very annoying, is like, I've gained 21,000 followers in the last four months. Let's all help each other get more connections. And I'm like, I see this over and over again. I'm like, the first thought that goes to my head is like, are you you collecting connections? Are you collecting followers? Because that's not what LinkedIn's about, okay? Mm -hmm. Followers are not going to get you that new phone, that new car, that new house, that the clients you get, 
which goes back to the niches or niches, as you would say. Um, so what do you think about these posts, which I see happening all the time, every day on LinkedIn now? Uh, they, they drive me nuts. And I think it, it's that... There's a lot of people that are like, oh, I'm the Facebook police or I'm the LinkedIn police. And they put the hat on and go, this is not this is not appropriate for LinkedIn. And it's like, it, what is appropriate for LinkedIn is what is appropriate for your audience. If your yes. audience likes that type of content, then post it. It doesn't matter. But it's that kind of clickbait, you know, clickbait style uh, posting. And that does go on exactly what you were talking about in that people are just trying to collect connections. And a lot of people that I've worked with over the years, they've come to me because they've worked with other LinkedIn experts, they've worked with other people, or they've used bots and automation and other things. So they've got thousands of people within their network, but every time they post any content, it's crickets. They get no engagement on it whatsoever. And their reach is in the, you know, the tens or the hundreds or even the low thousands. So if you've got a massive network, but your post reach is super low, something's going wrong. And I think a lot of that is to do with the fact that if you get a load of people in your network, but your content is completely irrelevant to them, then the LinkedIn algorithm is, a, is actually a really good thing. And it helps you it helps you see content that you genuinely want to see, or that's the idea behind it. Mm-hmm. So you're going to have to kind of warm your audience up again, or you're going to have to let them know that, you know, you're not here to spam them. You are here to add value. So there is a bit of a pro there's a slightly different approach to take. If you've got loads of connections, you want to warm it up and expand your network than if you're starting from scratch. But also it is that like actually pay attention to who's in your network because LinkedIn, yes, it's called a social media platform. However, it's not really, it's a networking tool. <laughs> you yes. know, it is a networking tool. And if you use it for networking, just virtually, it's the same when sending a DM to somebody. If you meet somebody at an event in person, you wouldn't wander up to them and just go, um, do you want to buy my stuff? Or <laughs> I sell this, or I'm running a webinar. You'd actually say hello to them first. Yes. Maybe even, how are you? You know, you'd, you'd talk about something that is of mutual interest. You know, if they're wearing something a bit quirky, you'd comment on that. If you're standing next to the food um, buffet, you'd comment on that. You know, there's different things that you can use as a conversation starter. And I think there's a false idea that the more connections you have, the more popular that you look or the more successful that you're going to be. And it really isn't the case. It is that quality over quantity. And it's, um, was it Robert Kelly who wrote about a thousand true fans that it's, it's better to focus on a thousand people that love you and rave about you and want to talk about you more than just try to approach, you know, hundreds of thousands of people that only know you a little bit. Exactly. It's kind of like in the world of podcasting, you know, uh, one question I never answer was someone asked me, how many downloads do you have? Because just because someone downloads your podcast doesn't mean they listen to it. But if I told you I have four subscribers and you're like, oh, that's that's horrible. But if I told you my four subscribers are Mark Cuban, Elon Musk, Oprah Winfrey and Bill Gates. Oh, that's different. And so it's just a number. Okay, how many connections you have? Like you just said, it's just a number. And I think you need to focus on getting the right people to know who you are than everybody. One of the things I did about three months ago is I've got a little folder on my on my browser. And as I come across people that I think are adding value, I go through and look at their – I have a bookmark to go to their latest posts. And I will give comments, good quality comments – to the latest post because I found scrolling through the Facebook feed, I'm sorry, the LinkedIn feed, didn't want to give credit to Facebook, the LinkedIn feed, it can be a waste of time. 
So when I find people who give quality content, I put them in the folder. And every day when I sit down in time for LinkedIn, I go through these bookmarks and I'm making sure I'm engaging with people who I think are not only quality people who are serving the community, but they're good people. I don't have time to scroll through, oh, here's a real estate agent I'm connected to here in Houston. I'm not looking to buy a house. So I took me like three seconds to look at that post, scroll past it or hide it. And it, to me, I find it a pain. So that's how I do that. But I do want to ask you two questions. They're kind of related. What is your most favorite feature of LinkedIn as it stands here, June of 2020? And which is one that you could really use, do without? Oh, great question. What's my favorite tool? It's quite a lot, really. Well, say, um, let's say features. So you can't you can't say sales navigator. I mean, you know, I'm talking about native video polls, LinkedIn Live uh, stories. Yeah. So yeah. I I don't have LinkedIn Live. I think partly because I don't really take Facebook seriously. So if I go and do a Facebook Live, it's like, hey, yeah. yeah. Um. So I have applied to go on LinkedIn Live, but I haven't got it yet. Um. And also, I just think it's quite clunky. But anyway, it's it's still quite new. Yes feature the advanced search filters really is probably one of the misused yes features out there and you can use it with the free account you don't need linkedin sales navigator you don't even need linkedin premium there's so much you can do with a free version it's unreal you're just limited as to how many people you can view their profiles how many searches and things like that but you can search, you know, you can filter people by what university or what school that they went to. You can actually have a look at who is connected to somebody else that you're connected with. Um, you know, you can search by industry. So the search filters are really, really powerful and so many people don't use them properly. And um, yeah, I, I would say the search features just because nobody seems to talk about them. And I, I think a lot of people don't use them well enough. Yes. It would be the thing. And then in terms of, yeah, so like, most rubbish feature or something that I could do with that. I love that word rubbish. I love that word. I've got to start using it more. <laughs> is it, is it English? Is it an English term? Yes. We don't say that here in America. We should. I like, I mean, we say, Hey, take the rubbish out, but I think instead of something's trash, we should say rubbish. I'm, I'm going to start using that word more. I like it. So thank I feel you. like, I feel like I've succeeded. Cause I used to, um, I used to be part of a, a marketing mastermind and used to travel out to Austin in Texas. Oh, okay. And it was always, it was always my mission. Every time I went to America, even in a different space, I'd be like, right, okay, what, what English word can I impart <laughs> on people? Uh, and one of them was spanner because in, in the UK, uh, spanner is a, is a wrench. Oh, um, really? Okay. <laughs> and it's like a kind of, it's like a friendly term. So if you'd been a bit thick or a bit stupid, you'd be like, oh, I'm such a spanner. And uh, not, not, I mean, not a huge amount of people use it, but I use it. It's quite fun. Um, <laughs> anyway, I, I move on. Um, useless features. <laughs> or just one, because uh, there's, there's a few, but what's, what's one? If, you, if they said, Charlie, which feature would you like to have eliminated from your profile? What would you pick? Eliminated from my profile. Endorsements. Oh yeah, those are so stupid. Because anybody, I mean, they did add the little qualifier. So when you go to endorse someone, it says, "Hey, have you worked with Charlie?" But you can just skip that. So people have thousands of endorsements in all these categories. Because once you get to ninety nine, it says ninety nine plus. And so I never understood endorsements, uh, recommendations. They have to be written by somebody. But endorsements, I, I never understood where they were going with that. And and my my biggest thing with LinkedIn, we talked about this a little earlier, is they're so scattered. So. 
they went through a phase where, okay, we're going to go really big on the groups. And that lasted about a month and they gave up on it. Now they're going big on pages. Now they're going to add LinkedIn live. Now they're going to do LinkedIn stories. And people are like, okay, like I got, I'm surprised I got polls pretty quickly, but I got bored of polls really quickly. Like after about two weeks, cause everyone's doing polls now. Everyone's doing polls. And it's like, oh my gosh, you scroll through your, your LinkedIn timeline and you see poll after poll after poll. And it's like, Poll, polls isn't a new thing either. I mean, they, LinkedIn used to have polls. They just really? kind of got rid of it. Yeah. In the oh, same I didn't know way that. that. Yeah, in the same way that groups used to be amazing, but they used to have a separate app for it, a separate Yes, I remember that. It, you know, it's just like, what? what? But, I mean, LinkedIn have a new CEO now. So I think things will start to change because from what I understand is that it, it's going to be more community-focused. Mm-hmm. So there is, like, they've not, Again, from what I understand is that they're not finished with groups. Um, they're still trying to do more with it and build it up. I mean, I uh, got involved in the LinkedIn local movement. So I've been running LinkedIn local events in, in Nottingham. We're now doing them virtually. And they've been really, really good. Um, and, and we have a, a group for the LinkedIn local people, but it's just really difficult to get notifications and for people to engage. Yes. They kind of don't see the point of it. Um Another feature, which is kind of like, I wish they'd get rid of it, is the share feature. And the reason for that is that, the LinkedIn algorithm appears to favor posts that get shared. However, LinkedIn users don't like to engage with shared content. Oh, really? Interesting. Okay. So it's a bit like the algorithm battling with itself in that it's like, <laughs> yay, somebody shared your post. But then the, the LinkedIn user's like, well, we don't want to engage with it. Therefore, the, it's telling the algorithm that it's rubbish content. Ah, um, okay. And I think part of that is that. And again, I think this is a it's a feature that I've seen and then I've not seen. So it, it's there and then sometimes it's not. Is that it's that crowdsourcing um, feature that if you come across a post that's got you know loads of likes and loads of comments, you're more likely to then read the post and yes. take the time and have a look at it. Whereas if it's got no likes and comments, you're like, yeah, I'm going to yep. move on. Yep. If you share a post, the likes and the comments don't come with that post, so you can't see if it's been good or not. Oh, gotcha. Okay. Um, so like I said, every now and again, I've seen a shared post where you can see the likes and the comments on the original, but again, it's, it's intermittent. So I, I just think it's, it's one of those, they kind of need to make their mind up with it. It's like, yes. you know, is it a useful tool? Cause loads of people sharing content thinking that they're doing the right thing. And they're just like, well, no, it's not going anywhere. Why? I'm like, well. Yeah. Well, that brings up a good point. Cause I think they should get rid of metrics period. Um, I, because for the very same reason, people go through, oh, nobody liked it, viewed it. I'm going to keep going. And if they only allowed the author to see the metrics, so the author of the post should see the metrics. There's no wrong, nothing wrong with that. But I think people are judging and I've been just as guilty. I'm like, oh, two comments. I skip past it because I'm judging the post without even reading it because I'm looking at the metrics. So I think all social media platforms. Uh, should get rid of metrics because people are evaluating the quality of a post. Like Gary Vaynerchuk could put a post out with a piece of cheese and he could say the post could say blah, 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 no hashtags. And he'd get so many reactions to that post. But if you or I did that, we'd get not people. What are, what are you doing? And so I think we should bury the metrics. And and I know that LinkedIn's never going to share the algorithm. I get that. And they shouldn't. But there's a guy on LinkedIn. His name is John Asperian. He's over where you guys are or in Great Britain. And I know, John, yeah. Yeah, because there's this whole thing. Like, I want to put a link in a post, but I really put, shouldn't put in the comments because if I get a lot of comments, people won't see it. And John somehow, through all his experience, because he's like a nerd like I am, he figured out that if you 
create the post, hit post, and then immediately go back and add the link inside the post. The link in the algorithm's already blessed it. And I can tell you that works. If you put a link inside the post, LinkedIn penalizes you. It's, even if you're sending it to something within the LinkedIn uh, ecosystem, which really confuses me, why would LinkedIn penalize you if you're sending it to another LinkedIn uh, page? But they do. And so John's done extensive research on that. So if you're going to put a link in a post, you write the post, sans the link, you hit post, then you go back and edit and put the link in there. And it doesn't, apparently it doesn't affect the, uh, the reach. Was that re- was that a recent piece of research? Uh, he did that. Oh, I think a number, a year ago and he keeps testing it and it doesn't, he said it doesn't affect his reach. That's how he does his post all the time. So John, John is great. I mean, he just tests things extensively. Yes. I think like, I, I'm like, like I, the man has so many hours in the day and patience <laughs> the same. So I'm like, yes. Oh no, I'm bored of that now. Um, from an observational point of view, I think I, I had a question from one of my, uh, well, actually somebody in my network tagged me in um, one of his connections posts. And he was like, right, I've done these three posts and um, the engagement on them is just so different, but I don't understand why, what's going on. So I did a video review of them. And one of them, the most engaged one, it had like over a hundred likes and, com- and comments on it was sharing an external link. But it was highly relevant and very, very specific to his target market. You know, he wasn't targeting entrepreneurs and consultants. He was in the mining industry and it was mm-hmm. very, very specific to him. So I think LinkedIn recently in the last like month or two, they've um, released this new thing metric called dwell time. I don't know oh. if you've come across that. So LinkedIn doesn't like like it when you share external links because they want you to stay on the platform. Right. But also the algorithm favors people that actually read and engage with the posts. People don't always have time to read articles and they don't always have time to read like longer form content. So yes. therefore it tells the algorithm that, you know, people don't want to see it. Um, whereas now they seem to be uh, looking at dwell time, having a look at how long somebody looks at okay. or spends time on that piece of content. So um, I use like carousel posts quite a lot, you know, where you kind of click next, next, yes. and you look at um, a PDF. They work brilliantly because if somebody's clicking and going, yes. you know, through a, an eight or a 12 page presentation essentially or or series of graphics then they're staying on that post they're staying on that post for much longer um same with an article i mean if the article is good enough then people are going to go on it and read the whole thing but everybody's so busy these days they just look for sort of short pieces of content and maybe come back to the longer pieces of content but also again it depends on your market if you're targeting very technical people like especially engineers and surveyors they want the detail they need the context and you know so things like white papers things like lengthy articles they go down very well whereas you know if you're targeting entrepreneurs for example you don't want to be serving up white papers every week because nobody's got the time to read them right exactly and that's i, I love that you said that because a lot of people um i did a post about a, a poll about 2 weeks ago and i said what do you, what kind of content do you prefer not what's hot not what LinkedIn wants you to do. What do you prefer? The choices were text, text and video. I'm sorry, text, picture and text, video or other. So before I tell you what the results were, what do you think that what 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 kind of content do you prefer over anything else? Me personally, yes, I like. Personally. Uh, me personally, I do, I do actually like the sliders, the carousel oh, ones. So okay. they 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 split the content into manageable bits, okay. um, make it easier to learn from. Close to eighty nine percent people said text or picture with text, 
Yeah. Nobody liked video. We like doing video because LinkedIn likes video. But if I sit there, it's like a, an hour video. I'm not wanting an hour video. I don't have that kind of time, but I'll read a post. And when I'm, when I'm creating my own content, I say just what I need to say and no more. Sometimes you read a whole post and like, they could have said that in three sentences and mm-hmm. I wasted my time. So my advice to the listener is when you're posting something, say exactly what you need to say. And if it's only like three sentences, stop. Don't mm-hmm. because people's time is valuable. And if you drone on and on and on, they're going to forget and they're going to get frustrated and move on. But if you get to the point and stick to the point and say, okay, here's three ideas. You can be more productive today. One, two, three, I'm out. Now people can read it and move on and maybe apply it. But if you've got this long article and you keep droning on and on, like you said, people are not going to read the whole article. They're going to keep on going. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. it's, it's got to be, I think I always talk about the sweet spot of content. So yes. there's there's what you want to say and everybody always has lots of things that they want to say. But then also you really want to be looking at what your market is interested in and you want to be hitting them in the middle. Yes. It needs to be relevant, but it needs to be focused on what your market is interested in. And the more specific you can be on who your market is and who you're targeting, then the more likely that content is going to hit them in the right sort of spot. So yeah, and, and you're not going to get yeah. you're not going to hit a home run with every piece of content. The greatest influences out there, they strike out. So just serve your audience produce good content, you'll be fine. So Charlie, this is a great conversation with you. Thank you so much for sharing everything you did with us. Where can we find out more about you online? Uh, the best thing is uh, LinkedIn. So just uh, I'm just Charlie Wyman. So linkedin.com forward slash IN forward slash Charlie Wyman. That's Charlie with an IE. No, it's not a familiar <laughs> name in the US. Uh, Charlie with an IE, Wyman, W-H-Y-M-A-N. Uh, or you can just visit my website, which is just charliewyman.com. I've got a free LinkedIn blueprint. I run web, web regular it's late in the day i've been Easy talking all day <laughs> oh my day is literally i've been doing zoom calls like all day i'm ready for a drink um <laughs> charliewyman.com i run regular webinars i've got a free blueprint on my website and um yeah just just send me a message if you're going to connect with me on linkedin let me know that you came via this podcast that would be appreciated but you know i i love having conversations with people i'm always curious to learn more so yeah let me know yeah, and do send a personalized invite. I I get probably 90% of my connection requests have no, like, hey, yeah. listen to your podcast. I saw nothing. It's like, who are you? But I'm mm-hmm. so excited when the people take a second to say, hey, I saw your post. I want to connect with you. At least you took the second to personalize it. And I know on the mobile app, it's harder if you don't know about the three dots. You just hit connect. I get that. That's LinkedIn's problem. But um, you can still do it though. If you yes. if you just hit connect and then it fires it off, you can still go back right. and then click the three dots and then send the personalized note. Yeah. So you can do it backwards, uh, which they added in, which was quite nice. Yeah. I think so. people are just lazy. They just hit the connect button and move on. So that's that's my theory. So Charlie, thank you so much for being on the show today. I really appreciate you. You're welcome. And just before we go, don't forget about my webinar this Saturday, June 27th, How to Deal with Distractions. You can register for the webinar, which will be live by clicking the link in my show notes or the banner at the top of the page at mrproductivity.com, M-I-S-T-E-R, mrproductivity.com. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Mark Struchowski Podcast. Until we meet again, my friend, go be productive.